Mobile usage has recently surpassed desktop usage for shopping online. The problem? Conversion rates are not very good for most online shops. I'll give you the details. Plus, what about a personal brand website? What makes one effective? I recently had the opportunity to build one and I wanna show you some of the secrets of what makes an effective personal brand website. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So recently, the amount of people shopping online have done so on a mobile device and that number of people shopping online with a mobile device has actually surpassed desktop usage, which is a pretty big change. Uh, We all know that mobile usage in general is on the rise, but it's interesting to see that people are specifically buying online now. So this is a big deal. If you currently run an online shop or if you are selling online at all, this is something that you're really going to wanna pay attention to, and that is mobile usage. So there's an article over at Smashing Magazine, which actually dove into a study, which is really interesting. It breaks down some of the mobile usage specifically on online shops. And I highly recommend that you read the whole thing. I'm going to cover some of the highlights here in today's show, uh, but you're going to want to check out the whole thing. So I've left a link to that over in today's show notes, which is at rightly.show slash 52. I'm going to break down a number of the stats that they have been keeping a track of over the last several years. So one of the biggest things to notice about this is that they've been tracking the amount of people or the, the number of visitors or the percentages, I should say, of particular device usage. So quarter one, and this has happened really quickly. We're talking about from quarter one Uh, 2016 to quarter one, 2017. So this is a big shift in a short period of time. So quarter one, 2016, desktop usage was about at 49%. So 49% of users were doing their online shopping, at least with the online shops that they've done these tests and these studies with, were using a desktop device. Um, And then for smartphones, it was about at 36%. Tablets were around 13%. Uh, so you see that desktops still had a pretty big, you know, advantage or I guess usage over smartphones. Fast forward to quarter one of 2017, and you've got traditional or desktop usage at about 42% or almost 43%. Smartphones, however, have eclipsed traditional or desktop or laptop devices at 44.89%, so about at 45%. So this study was done at the towards the end of or mid 2017. So I can only imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that this trend has continued. We've seen this trend continue in almost every market in every type of website we've seen mobile usage start to surpass desktop usage. So why is that significant for you? You could say, okay, so more people are shopping on their phones. What does that have to do with me? Well, if you sell anything online, this is why it is important for you. Now I'm going to give you some of the numbers, uh, same time period in terms of conversion rates. What that means is people who actually visit the site and then buy something. 
So for a desktop or a traditional device uh, in quarter one, 2016, it was about at 4.23% or almost or just over 4%. That means 4% of people were actually buying on a traditional or desktop device. Now on a smartphone, people were buying at a 3.59% rate. So less than what they were buying uh, at um, on a desktop device of some sort. So then if we flash forward to quarter one, 2017, uh, this trend actually held about the same. So we've got about 4% for desktop and about 3%, and it's even lower, 3.14% on the smartphone. What this means is it that the number of people who are actually purchasing on a mobile device is actually maintaining steady or actually declining a little bit, which probably will level out uh, given trends. It's hard to believe that that the number of people actually making a purchase on a device is going to go down. Um, but the the key takeaway with, with this data, and one of the things that this article makes a good point of, is that while the number of people visiting an online shop is going up, the number of people actually buying on an online shop is not. So why does that matter for you? What this, ma this matters for you is that if you have an online shop and it is not optimized for mobile, that if it is not built in such a way as to make shopping and buying online extremely easy, you could begin to see a hit. On the reverse of that, if you do take this time, however, to really see the kind of trend going this direction of online shops and buying in general, shifting more towards mobile, if you shift with that, if you prepare for that, you could actually take advantage of that change, you could actually begin to see an increase in the number of sales that you are making. So this, this other piece is really important. They broke down some specifics as to why mobile users don't convert. Again, this is all a study. This is, you can find more, more information about this in the article that links to a number of the studies that they are sourcing for this information. But these are very important things to keep in mind if you run an online shop of any kind, if you sell anything online, as to why mobile users are not buying. So here's a list of them. At 20%, the, the highest reason, the, the most uh, significant reason why people were not buying is security concerns. So mobile users are just concerned that you know, there's a number of different security concerns, but the number one usually with people is an SSL certificate. So this goes across the board. If you do not have an SSL certificate, you need to have one uh, that essentially just secures your site and makes sure that the data that's being sent back and forth is in fact secure. So at the top, top of the list of reasons why people are not converting on mobile, why they're not buying from an online shop on mobile is security concerns. Second to that is unclear product details. So I know it's really popular. So here's an example I see all the time on the web is people love to create these sales pages that are about 4.7 miles long. And if you printed them would take three and a half reams of paper. I get why those exist. You want to provide a lot of information. You want to, you're essentially trying to compress the entire selling process into, you know, a single page on the, on the web. But if it's not clear what you offer and why you're offering it, then people are not going to buy. What we're finding is that while it was easier to scroll through those 4.7 miles on a desktop, what we see is that 
a lot less people are using desktop these days. And so it needs to be real scrollable. It's not easy to scroll 4.7 miles on a smartphone. So that's something to keep in mind. Clarity is key when it comes to selling something. And that's what we're seeing uh, from the shift to a mobile platform. Third on the list is inability to open multiple browser tabs to compare. This is going to come down to what you are selling specifically. If you sell packages or products or uh, like, let's say products, for example, people want to be able to compare across the different types of products that you offer. Uh, it needs to be simple to do that. Uh, and this can be something as simple as just, you know, giving some clues to the user to turn the device to a landscape view. That's one way to do it. But just keeping in mind what it's going to look like for them. If, if it's harder for somebody to actually accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, they're going to be less likely to do it. Uh, below that, number four is difficulty navigating. And this, I don't think this is specific to a online shop. However, I could see how an online shop could find some trouble in this area. But this is difficult among many different websites today. It's just difficult to navigate a lot of sites on a mobile device. So a lot of that, it comes down to simplifying and putting somebody within the context of, of where they are and the device they're using. So removing those elements that are not essential or not needed for accomplishing a specific goal is essential. And that's going to come down to the user interface of the site that you are working on. But again, difficulty navigating. This is why it's so important. I like to emphasize this a lot whenever I'm working on a website is that navigation, if, if it's complicated to navigate on a mobile device, that means that it's complicated to navigate everywhere else. So what I mean by that is there's a lot of sites I see these days that try to cram like seven or eight or nine navigation items in the main menu at the top of the site. That's way too many. I mean, unless you're Amazon and you carry 400 million products or something like that, then it's just, it's way too much. Make it simple. And what you need to do is just that, what that usually is a signal of or a sign or a symptom of, it's just overcomplicating what you do. If you can't divide it into four or five specific items that most people want or need, then there's probably too much going on there. And that's going to get compounded on a mobile device since you have less screen real estate to work with. So simplifying your navigation is a key way that you can make it easier to navigate. And the last thing on the list was difficulty inputting information. I'm actually surprised this wasn't the first. Um, and a lot of times there's a, there's a lot of different things that we can do to make the buying experience easier. And that is only ask for the information that you need. If you sell a digital product and somebody is going to pay you via PayPal, don't ask for their address. It just makes it more difficult. It's needless. You're not shipping them anything that all the information is already in PayPal. That's a specific, very specific example, but I cannot tell you the number of times I've either seen or have used or have worked on a website that just makes it so needlessly difficult. So we're talking in regards to, in the context of this article, we're talking about conversion rates. The number one thing that will lower a conversion rate on any platform, whether that's opening an email, buying a product, visiting a page, uh, converting on a form, whatever your metric is, the number one thing that always, every single time, 
uh, has the highest likelihood of lowering that conversion rate is putting obstacles, needless obstacles in front of the user. A form field that they don't need to fill out, a link that they don't need to click, a page that they don't need to scroll through. The more obstacles in the way of the person trying to achieve the goal that you want them to achieve, the less likely they are to achieve that goal. So when people say here, you know, number five on this is, this list is difficulty inputting information. So many online shops make the mistake of just asking for information they don't need to ask for. The more complicated it is to accomplish the goal, uh, the more the less likely that it is that they are going to accomplish it. So I cannot underscore or highlight enough. When you are creating a form or something that people need to fill out in order to purchase from you, make it as simple as pro as possible. Ask for as few details as possible, and that alone is going to help conversion rates. But really interesting information, something definitely to take, take into account if selling online is something that you do. Again, I've got the link to this article, which you're definitely going to want to check out over at rightly.show slash 52. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. So recently I had the opportunity to work on a really neat website uh, for a client of mine by the name of Ray Edwards. So if you're not already familiar with Ray Edwards, you should definitely check out his website and some of the things that he works on. He's a copywriting pro, he's an author, he's a speaker, and he's just always just doing really, uh, really neat things. And he's got also has a really popular podcast as well. And you can find him over at rayedwards.com. But I recently had the chance to work with Ray on the redesign of his website, and that was a lot of fun because he is, as I said, a copywriting expert. He's kind of a marketing guru. He's, he's kind of in that realm. So it's really, I always have a lot of fun working with people who are kind of in my same industry. So, you know, I kind of take my design superpowers and, and combine them with his copywriting superpowers, and then we get uh, rayedwards.com. But it was really interesting. It was a really interesting process because I got to dive into... Uh, his brand that he's building, his business that he's building, and begin to embody that into a website that helps his business grow. Uh, so there's a lot of key takeaways that I got that I wanted to share with you of what makes an effective personal brand business or a personal brand website. So uh, Ray is very much running a personal brand business, which means that it is, like I mentioned, rayedwards.com. He is the brand. And there's a lot of people out there who are trying to build these personal brands and they're having a tough time. And it's understandable um, because it's it's very difficult to become synonymous with a specific thing. Ray Edwards is synonymous with copywriting. That's what he's known well for. And so it's difficult. A lot of people have a difficult time doing that. But more on the technical aspect, what I've noticed is that a lot of people have a difficult time knowing how to set up their website to best set them up for success. So as I mentioned, Ray has a podcast. He also does a number of videos, you know, on a weekly basis that he offers. And then he also, a big part of his business is that he offers and he sells a number of different products. So what can we do, you know, if we're trying to create a personal brand 
website, what are some of the things that it needs to have in order to be effective? So as I have said time and time again throughout just about every podcast episode ever, not quite that that frequently, but I reemphasize it a lot, is the importance of building an email list. And this is something that Ray does and has been doing for years. So the number one goal that we had when we were building out this website is that it needs to effectively build his email list. So if you go to his website, you'll be able to see all sorts of different places where you can do exactly that, where you can join his email list. I'm also gonna be creating a video walkthrough of this. So if you'd like to see me walking through uh, Ray's website and some of the features and you'd like to see them pointed out, I may even give you a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes. Obviously this is a WordPress website, so I may show some of the features within the the admin portion of the website that he has to manage the site. Um, So you can actually find that over at uh, our YouTube channel, which is new. And you can find that at rightly.tv. So make sure you subscribe over at rightly.tv if you'd like to see some of the things that we are currently creating. Uh, But again, building that email list is essential and we've made the opt-in portion of the site very prominent on the front page. So the first thing that we've built in, and I think every personal site, personal brand site needs this, which is a welcome mat. So a welcome mat essentially is if somebody is visiting your website for the first time, they get redirected to a special page. So Ray, for example, if somebody visits Ray Edwards website, they get redirected, you know, for the first time, if they're visiting the website, they get redirected to rayedwards.com slash welcome. And then once you hit the front page, what you see is a nice big hero image with a video background. This is permission to prosper. And it's got a big button that says, get the free course. So if you click this button, uh, there is a modal window that pops up and you can get instant access to his free course. So again, the first call to action that you ever see as a person visiting this website is getting the free course, getting on his email list. So that's number one. And I'm going to come back to that, you know, time and time again. But on this welcome page, it gives a nice overview of who Ray is. This is so important. One of the ways I mentioned in the past that you can accomplish something similar to this is that you can, you know, get someone on your list and then do a drip sequence that kind of gives people information about who you are, gives value over time. Uh, but this is a this is a great thing to do in addition to that. This whole page is an overview of who Ray is. One of the biggest mistakes I see for so many personal brands or bloggers is that when somebody hits the front page of the site, it is a list of the latest blog posts. And when somebody is trying to find out a little bit more about who you are, sure, they can click the about tab and that helps, but not everybody does that. Most people will just hit the front page, scroll a little bit and then leave. The problem with showing your latest blog content is that your latest blog content or podcast or video or whatever the latest thing is that you created probably isn't going to give people the fundamental understanding of who you are and what you do. By creating a welcome page, you do exactly that. You redirect a new re- a new user to something that is almost like a, uh, an about page, but different in the sense that it is set up to show the key pieces to them as a person who is new. So we've got that. And there's a number of testimonials in here as well. So he's got testimonials from... Pat Flynn from Michael Hyatt, Amy Porterfield. So a nice, you know, way to build some social proof and some authority. He also has in here, and I think this is essential as well. And I just created just 
admittedly just did this recently, but I think everybody should create a welcome video. Let people see who you are. I just did this at Rightly Designed. I wanted people to be able to see who I am. Ray Edwards does a great job of this. Um, but just a welcome video that, again, tells people who you are, what you do, what problems you solve, really why they should care about what you're creating. So it's got some testimonials. It's got the main call to action repeated on that front page. Um, and then there's a couple of other pieces that we built in that I think is essential for any welcome page or front page for a personal brand website. And that is portal links. So he's got six portal links and these aren't just links to categories on his blog per se. Some of them actually do link to categories on his blog, but the whole purpose of a portal area on the front page is to help people solve specific problems. So the headline is, hey Ray, I need help to dot, dot, dot. And then it says, you know, there's six options. Grow my business, get productive, start a blog, attract my tribe, get clients, find meaning. So again, think of that as opposed to a list of your latest blog post. Your latest blog post could be in this instance, any number of things, but what if that top blog post at the top uh, isn't something that that person is currently looking for. Here, you give people an overview, a bird's eye view of what things that you do or offer or teach, and they can click on the specific things that they want. In addition to that, he's got featured products. Remember earlier, I was talking about the importance of conversion rates on a mobile device. Well, on this, he's actually highlighted his three top books that he offers. Can't tell you the number of, again, personal brands I see. Sometimes they'll have a books tab on their website, um, but many times there's not even that, where it's literally impossible to find out the courses or the videos, the seminars or the workshops or whatever it is that that personal brand actually offers. He's got featured products right there on this welcome page and then a separate page that lists out all of his core products that he offers. So those are some of the key pieces of the welcome page. And again, I think that is essential. I think every single personal brand website should have a welcome page. I think you should have an about page too. The about page can be a little bit more in depth. You can include something more of a bio. This is not a bio. This is not an about page. This is something quick, simple that within say five minutes, like two to five minutes, and even less than that, even just by just scrolling, somebody can get a quick idea of who you are and what you do. Now, something else that we have built into the site is something called a hero image that is on the front page of the site. Now, not the welcome page, the welcome page, somebody only goes to is, or is redirected to the first time they visit the website. This is something different. The hero image has, has his main call to action with a picture of him at the top. So top left-hand corner, it shows his logo off to the right. It's got his navigation, but then it's got a hero area. This hero area shows a picture of him and his current free opt-in, which is his free wisdom. It's called the Wisdom Enterprise Course. And again, he's always changing this um, as he's got different events or things that he has going on. But again, it's front and center. It shows a picture of him and what he's offering. That's on the front page. That again, comes back to the importance of growing an email list. Uh, and then below that, he's got a nice highlighted area for his latest blog post. He's got some of the categories to his blog. And then it does below that show the latest content that he's creating. So there does need to be a place. And here's the key. This is why it was so important to build the, the site the way that we did. New users need to see something different than people who are visiting again. People who are coming back time and time and time again 
already know who you are. So at that point, it makes sense to show them the latest content, the latest things that you are creating. And so that's the way that this is set up. Another key thing that we built into this personal brand website is a call to action in the navigation. So the great thing about this, this site is that there's calls to action everywhere. They're not obnoxious. They don't get in the way of what you do, but they're repeated over and over and over again. It was again, the, the whole problem I have with so many websites out there is that they are not designed to, you know, to solve specific problems. They're meant to be business card websites that look pretty, but aren't necessarily created in such a way as to grow an email list and make sales. So that was something that we really put a lot of thought into when it came to laying this site out. Uh, so over at the top right hand corner, we've converted that navigation item into a button. And you'd be, you would, you'd be amazed at the number of UX studies that have been done that show that simply turning the right far right navigation item in a navigation to a button can significantly increase the amount of times it's clicked, regardless of what it is. Uh, most uh, software companies have learned this. So people who sell an app or who sell some sort of service, top right hand corner, it's typically green and it says start or some, or download or something like that. So in his site, uh, we've made that far right hand navigation item a button and it's always a link to his current opt-in, which right now at the time of this episode is a free course. So very essential uh, when it comes to, you know, these are things that, uh, you know, I've seen pieces of this in other online brand or personal brand websites, but I have not seen it done consistently well across the board. Now, one of the things Ray does have on his site is a sidebar. And some people, you see a lot of sites these days going sidebar free. I'm not, I don't necessarily have a stance one way or the other on this. What I typically say is use whatever is best for your particular market and medium. I've seen a lot of writers who like to focus more on the writing that they're creating. You know, the, the content is everything and readability is really important. So they go without a sidebar. Jeff Goins, if you go to uh, goinswriter.com, he does not have a sidebar. I think it works great. It's very medium-esque. Uh, Ray Edwards, on the other hand, does have a sidebar. And I think it makes sense in this case because he just, he offers so much. He's got his upcoming events, his Facebook, the number of subscribers, uh, links to a number of the products that he offers, popular posts. He's got his portal links off to the side. I uh, just got his testimonials repeated. So again, I think it makes sense in this case for him to have a sidebar. And the interesting thing as well is that hero image I talked about earlier that shows a picture of him and then his core offer is repeated on every blog post across his entire site. And this is important because we want to increase the number of conversions, the number of email subscribers on every single uh, page on our site that we possibly can. Um, so again, this is turning a site from being just a mere business card into an actual business. So one of the things that we've done, and there's a ton more features that are built into the site. One of the neat things that we've done though in creating this site is we've actually set it up as a WordPress theme that anyone can get. So if, you, if you're currently building a WordPress-based uh, personal brand business, probably going to want to check that out for sure. We've actually got it over at Notable Themes and you can you can, uh, you can can actually check this out. I'm going to leave a link to it in today's show notes. Uh, so you can check that out at rightly.show slash 52. 
But those are some of the main features. And I really just wanted to share some of the pieces that we've created into this website. And the main purpose for that is just give you get you thinking about some of the pieces that are essential for building into your website. So let's say that you don't have a personal brand. There's still a number of these things that are going to apply that are going to be essential when it comes to growing an email list. One of the biggest things that you can do as you are working on your website specifically is to keep in mind what the main goal is of that website. If it's to sell products, is it set up in such a way as to be really easy to access and to purchase those products for the user? If it's to grow your email list, is that email opt-in form prominent? It, does it appear in multiple places across the site? Is it easy to access? Uh, all those things are things to take into account. What it really means for something to be rightly designed is something that is planned out, that a process has been gone through and taken to ensure that every aspect of that site is set up and tailored to achieve every goal you want it to in the most effective manner possible. So I just wanted to share some of those things with you. Again, I'm gonna be creating a whole bunch of videos, which again, are gonna be free. We're gonna be able to see a lot of these things as well in practice. So if you're not already, make sure you go over to rightly.tv and subscribe over there. Again, it's all free, uh, as is this podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program today. If you're not already, you can become a Rightly subscriber uh, also free. You can find that over at rightly.show slash subscribe. Uh, leave us a review, uh, scroll on down and leave us a comment on the show notes. Let us know what you are finding useful or what we can do to help you better create a rightly designed brand. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.